does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Coming up top of the hour, reminder, Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, will join us. Bob Kravitz will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday on the fan. Uh, KB, I wanted to throw one thing your way. We're going to get into some Colts here. I know you have a thought on Gardner Minshew. And obviously, we talked in segment number one just about you know how everything changes in the AFC. The Bills losing last night was good for a number of teams. The Bills playing bad was good for uh, a number of teams. And the Colts obviously being one of those teams. I don't know if you saw this last night. So they were doing warm-ups and they were talking about, you know, the trade deadline and everything else. And and I don't know if they had a buy if this is the first Broncos game since then. And they were talking about, you know, Sertan and how the you know they you know they didn't want to trade him because he's one of the best corners in the entire league, right? Like you gotta have somebody on your team. You gotta keep some of the good players on your team. And then they went to Jerry Judy. And the only reason I bring this up to you, did you happen to hear this conversation? I'm sure you didn't. This was before the game even started. No, I did not. Um, so Jerry Judy, it, it wasn't a name we were really talking about around here. It was just a wide receiver who could have been traded. And so we men- we did our due diligence to mention it on Indie Sports Radio, uh, given that the trade deadline was, you know, was right around Halloween. And they said that the best deal... Adam Schefter reported that the best deal that the Denver Broncos received for Jerry Judy was a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. And so I just want you to think about that through the eyes of covering the Colts and then also, I guess for me, for a guy who really doesn't have much production, a three and a five's not that bad, right? Am I wrong there? I'm like, damn, a three and a five. If you really didn't like him, I don't know. I mean, a third round pick that has a lot of value in the NFL. A lot of people think, and that could be easily, you know, obviously a top, you know, what, uh, 90 pick or, or whatever it may be, 85 pick, depending on what the team was. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I didn't want Jerry Judy as a Colt. I, I don't think you did either. But a three and a five, and we talked about that. I don't know. At least that's a little bit interesting. Seems a tad rich. Um, I, I did Judy do anything last night? I mean, what do you have? Two or three catches? Um, no, I mean Jerry Judy. I mean, Carlin been... Sutton was the one that made you know the the bigger plays for Denver. Um, he's got 30 catches this season, does Jerry Judy. I mean, that's what he has. He had three last night for 35. His season high is against Green Bay. There you go, Mark. Five catches, 64 yards. That's it. And if I'm not, I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that contract climbs big time for next year um, for Judy as well. What? As we're at the bye week, Alec Pierce, 18 catches in 10 games. Is that right. indicative of Alec Pierce or indicative well, of the quarterback play? I, I saw this. It's probably the quarterback play. I saw Stephen Holder standing up for, for Alec Pierce. You know, there's a reason he plays every single snap or almost every single snap. He is a widely respected guy in that locker room. He's a great blocker. All those things are true, and all those things I agree with. But you have to admit that his lack of numbers catching the football as a wide receiver is startling, yes? I, I think so. <laughs> even with, I, I even with the when, quarterback? Like, I understand where Steven is coming from. I, I, I do. And I think Anthony Richardson's presence in the starting lineup would be 
I'd be very curious to see Alec Pierce. There would be with more. Richardson. De- there would be more deep shots Correct. to Alex Pierce. There's no doubt about it. And again, it. Pierce doesn't need a lot of targets to impact the game. I mean, if you're a deep ball guy and they throw three to you in a game and you catch one for 35 yards and you draw a de- pass interference penalty for 25, right? That's impactful, and it obviously keeps the safety deep and those things. But still, I, I just that is such a small number. I can't totally get away from it. Like they're peppering Michael Pittman with with yep. Pittman's with targets. Gonna, Pittman might have a career year. He might have the most well, catches and he's going to have the most uh, you know targets and catches of his entire career. One thing I did want to mention on Minshew, and it's very alarming to me. And this kind of dates back to the feel-good Minshew in September and, I guess, early October, Andy. He's coming in relief. He's he's the Mariano Rivera. Here he is out of the bullpen, and look how well he's playing. And to be fair, that was really accurate. You know, when Richardson got hurt, whether it was the Houston game or whether it was that Tennessee game, Minshew came in and was really flawless. I mean, efficient, didn't turn the ball over, um, much more of the back of the baseball card that he has been throughout the large part of his career. But when teams have had chances to game plan for him, Andy, he has not sniffed the normal kind of Gardner Minshew. Again, let's go back to the baseball card numbers. Um, Just to throw a couple things at you. In relief this year, Andy, Minshew, 76%, no turnovers, quarterback rating of 109 Yards per attempt is over eight. For those unfamiliar with those numbers, those are great numbers for a quarterback. When he has started games, that completion percentage drops 15%, 76 to 61. He has 11 total turnovers. Again, none in relief, 11 as a starter. Uh, His quarterback rating drops 30 points. His yards per attempt drops a full two. That is a big number. Two yards per attempt. I mean, they've hit him the last two games. Down to 6.4. So it's almost one of these things now where the teams get the full week. The blueprint is there. We load the box. We press man the Colts. We make Minshew get away from his first read. And again, he looks like a panicky, jittery, gun-shy quarterback that at the first sign of distress, he flees. And I don't know or believe that this is going to change. The thing that I, I I'm trying to remember what week it was. Like if those it are was, stark numbers. Yeah, if it was the Baltimore game, I'm trying to think if it was, you know, it was somewhere in the middle of the season here, the last few, the last month or so. I remember we did the conversation. I may have even brought up the topic of, okay, now that Minshew is going to be the guy, and we knew that Richardson was going to be out. The conversation was, does that change now that teams know that Gardner? Minshew is going to be the guy and you know once they have time to game plan for him what is that going to look like right and I think that was the question that we had and at the time we figured the answer would kind of be like this that the numbers and the thought around Minshew would be different and now that we look at the last couple games and really the last 
I mean, what would you say? I mean, Cleveland, he had 305 yards, so it's hard hard to go there. Uh, But the last several weeks, we have kind of felt that way. Even when he's put up big numbers, he's turned the ball over, which has negated so much of the yardage that he's put out there, the touchdowns that he's put out there. You know, I wrote down for a topic today. It's interesting you brought it up. Do you feel different about Gardner Minshew than you did. I mean, Gardner Minshew... I feel worse. Okay. Because it, it, and I think there's this misconception, Andy, of like, no, this is just who he is. Like, what we've seen over the last few weeks. No, no, no. This is worse than who he is. I want to make sure that like that is clear of the Minshew that we have seen here as a starter right. in 2023 is not the guy that we saw in Jacksonville when he started there. It's not even the guy that started a few games in Philadelphia. Like... The standard to which, and again, credit to Gardner Minshew, the standard to which he had kind of created for himself, high-end backup. Hell, he could start for a couple teams in the NFL. Right. He's not playing at that level. So I guess that's the question I have for Shane Steichen entering this bye week is, you have such a stark contrast between him in relief this year and him as a starter. And again, him as a starter has not even been at the level that he usually is. Why? How do you get back to his normal standard? I guess I feel like the Gardner Minshew that we saw in some of these games where we came in here the next day and we said, man, he's the best backup in the NFL and he could start for a number of teams. I, I that's that analysis probably also was wrong. Well, does that make sense? It's somewhere. Yes. It's somewhere. He's not. He can't be this bad. But at times, we also honored Gardner Minshew like he was a legitimate starter in the NFL. When the when the you know when the when the reality is, it's somewhere in the middle, which is why he's a good quality backup, and that's what he is. Does that make sense? Yeah. And plus, I'm curious, Andy, if we said that after Houston. When, again, he came in in relief sure. and after Tennessee when he came in in relief. I mean, that's always a feel-good story. Oh, starter gets hurt during the game. Here comes the backup. He's warming up. Here he comes in off he's the got, bench. He's got long hair you and he know. likes jean jackets. And, you know, all, yeah, all the questions. You know, he, he didn't take any reps all week long. Right. And look at what right. he's doing Minshew in the game. Minshew magic. He's already got, he's got a little verbiage that goes to his name. But what's the best game he started this season? Yeah, I mean... It, I mean, winning-wise, it would be Baltimore because no turnovers. And but, Matt Gay saved his ass. And, and Matt Gay kicking like, 55-yard field goals. There's yeah. not yeah. this ringing endorsement of, like, that is the game. And, and We lost games last year as the Eagles starter, and that team was a Super Bowl team. Again, so you there know. is a part of it of, like, he is a backup quarterback, but I want to make sure that our audience realizes that, like, even normal Minshew we haven't seen. Like, he has played below his right. normal, normal standard as a starter. Now, again, you can look at that glass half full and say he can't play any worse. And I I, I mean this like 98% serious. That dude needs to have the bye week of his life. That dude needs to act like it's little 500. He needs to act like it's seven <laughs> Monon Bell week. Uh, seven Monon Bells. You're all about tailgates. You're all about like mind-altering drugs for uh, Gardner Minshew over a seven-day period. Have we decided Joshua Tree for a few days and then up to Vegas to cap the week? You ever seen the Sopranos? Remember when he when uh, Tony Soprano did peyote? Wasn't he out in the desert? Like that's that's the kind of thing you want to see Gardner Minshew do, which I appreciate. By I the way, I think just Joshua Tree and he just kind of goes on a retreat for himself. Or <laughs> so nothing in Vegas. I was living I, I, with I a pack think, of coyotes. The Vegas guy, he doesn't come across as the Vegas guy. I would think that'd be a good balance. 
you know, reset Joshua Tree and then just yeah. amp it up. I'd love to go to Vegas. Living right with now. the Earth. Vegas. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Flying to Palm Springs. It's a very small airport, but a beautiful area. All I uh, needs a knife and a hole, and I'm good. <laughs> Tom says something that I think I was trying to hit on yesterday. Again, I think he's gun shy, Andy. I think it's from the turnovers. Tom goes from. I agree. My perspective, Minshew seems to be focusing on not turning the ball over the last couple weeks. I think that's exactly what it is. I think he's gun shy uh, from it and. Uh, the scar tissue from those turnovers has clearly impacted him. The issue, Andy, is you could survive Carolina and New England right. with his performances. Right. I don't know if there's anyone else on the schedule you can survive. Well, that's my question. It, it would be, it, and boy, you would say, well, give me the happy medium here. Give me the middle. And I'm like, well, you're not going to get that from Minshew probably. So would you rather have safe Gardner Minshew, which by the way, I mean, he did turn the ball over on Sunday. So it's not like when I get when I say, well, you got safe Gardner Minshew that you're not getting, you know, you're not getting zero turnovers. You still had an interception on Sunday. And again, if you're playing someone better, if the Patriots are better on offense, if they can kick field goals, yada, yada, uh, you would have been in trouble in that game. I mean, I, I, I guess my problem is I feel, KB, that if you get gunslinger Minshew, you're going to A, get away from the running game, and B, you are absolutely going to open yourself up to turnovers, fumbles, yeah. and interceptions. There is a happy medium. Let, but can they do the happy medium? Can Minshew? Let's I mean, make how, it do clear. They, how do they find that, though? Well, the Minshew we've seen over the last couple of weeks Dink and Dunk Central, virtually no substance in the passing game, has protected the ball pretty well. What, one turnover in the Carolina and New England games? Andy, that's not getting you a five and two record in the final seven. That's no, not getting you a four and three record. It's, it's winning you one or You're two more games have the rest to of the way. Get a little bit more, right. and yes, by that you are going to rest some things. But if you want to get to nine or ten wins and continue to be in the playoff picture come the new year, you're going to have to get. A little bit. Well, let me ask you this. What's the number of attempts you want to see from Minshew? Because, I mean, we've seen it all the way from, I mean, we've seen it at 23, 55, 26, 28. Uh, is, it, is it 30 to 30, like three? Is that is that a good number? Do you think? Yeah, I don't like know. Five? That's high. I, I've never really focused too much on attempts. I, I 28-ish. Well, that's what he was on. Park. That's what he was on Sunday. And yeah, again, and, and, not all twenty eights are created the same. Obviously, again, can you be more efficient within the twenty eight, and therefore teams aren't necessarily loading the box to the nth degree? And now that opens some things up for Jonathan Taylor, because I think the lack of passing game production is creating more difficult running opportunities for Taylor. And I think you felt that. I think you felt Especially that here in the second half in the last couple of weeks. Again, Pacers Sixers tonight coming up. At 6.30, some great Kevin Garnett audio I want to get to here a little bit later. Rick Carlisle going to join us in less than 10 minutes. Um, again, Miles Turner waking up this morning in full prayer mode about seeing Joel Embiid <laughs> on the injury report with a hip injury. You know, you, It's a big hip uh, from Joel That is a large hip, Joel, yeah. It's a large hip. Certainly. Um, <laughs> JMV and I have disagreed on this. Uh-oh. Prior, because again, he obviously is such a Turner backer, and certainly Turner has delivered for JMV in that realm. But it is amazing to me how Embiid has absolutely dominated the Pacers throughout his career, unlike any other Eastern Conference team. Uh, pointed this out, but I think it's worth repeating, especially after Embiid went for whatever he had 37, 39 on Monday night or on Sunday night. Uh, no team in the Eastern Conference he averages more points against than the Pacers. 
30, I think it was... It's 31 now. Is, is it up to 31? It, it, I'm looking at it's 31.2. That's the up. Uh, that's the updated number with last or uh, Sunday night's game. And, yep. and again, my thing is don't let him go career on you. Like he has career nights against the Pacers. Yeah. You know, you look at the Raptors. It's like 23 a night. The Knicks, you know, 25 a night. The Heat, 23 a night. Miles to be known as one of the best rim protectors, defensive players in the NBA. It shouldn't be. When Joel Embiid sees you on the schedule, he feasts on you unlike any other team in the Eastern Conference. And that's what he's done throughout his career. Now, again, will we see the matchup tonight? He's questionable with a hip injury. Obviously, the Tyrese Maxey matchup will be something to keep an eye on as well. But I, I guess I want to make sure that I'm clear on Joel Embiid. He is a outstanding player, easily one of the best players in the NBA. And he frequently dominates games, but he dominates the Pacers more than any other Eastern Conference team, and that's the issue that I have. All right, so let me do some of these points. I'm looking at it right now. We go back to when Embiid started in the NBA in 2016, that season. He averaged 25 against the Pacers. He averaged 23 in 2017, and then KB, it picks up. In 2018, he averaged 29 points and 14 rebounds. In 2019, he averaged 36 points and 16 rebounds. A little dip in 2020, I guess that was the COVID year, 24 and 13. Uh, In 2021, he averaged 4 43 points and 13 rebounds in the few games against the it Pacers. Is, again, he is their daddy. He's he really Miles Turner's dad. And 33 last year. If he's going for that, what did Miles have on Sunday night? I, I think like he had Miles, 22. I, was say, I felt like Miles had a 20, pretty good night. 22 and 5, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, if Embiid's yeah, yeah, going to do and his five. thing on the other end of the floor, A, try and stay out of foul trouble because, you know, when your depth gets tested in the front court, it can get a bit ugly. Uh, and B, you know, stretch the floor at the other end. You know, pull him away from the basket. You know, try and knock down a few shots like that to get you, um, you know, countering Joel Embiid because obviously he's such a force uh, uh, offensively. All right, on the other side, Rick Carlisle, he joins us live from Philadelphia. Good Tuesday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It's the Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, so back at it, 8 o'clock hour, hanging out with you, drivehubler.com studios. Colts off this week, back at it here in about a week and a half, hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know that's going to be a big one. We'll continue, obviously, mentioning that. A lot of Pacers this morning and yesterday, Pacers in Philly tonight. Our coverage here on the fan beginning at 6.30. And head coach of the Indiana Pacers, Rick Carlisle, joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Thank you uh, again for joining us here on this Tuesday morning. The game days you get ready for the second here against Philly. I, I guess let's start here. Uh, what are the main you know thing or things that you have stressed or will stress even today that you want to see from your team tonight that you did not see on Sunday? Well, number one is rebounding. We had a really historically poor rebounding game in the uh, the game on Sunday. We gave up 23 offensive rebounds and 30 second chance points. And, uh, you know, on the road against 
a team that is uh, yeah you can you can make a you can make a legitimate case that Philadelphia is could be the best team in the league uh, based on sure. the winning streak that they're on, their personnel, you know, Embiid as an MVP, uh, Maxi as a rising star, um, all those things. I mean, they're they're up there certainly with you know Denver, Boston, and others. So uh, we just simply got to do better in possession of the ball as as you guys are well aware um, in other sports like football um, is uh, extremely important and we got to get our hands on it more. Coach, do you like how the NBA has kind of adjusted this here in recent years where it seems like now you do have a couple of these each year, the the two games in one city in like a three-night span? It's almost a little bit kind of, I guess, what you encounter in the playoffs. I think the Magic have one this week. I know you guys play them uh, later on Sunday. But are you a fan of this kind of, you know, one team, one city, play them two games in three nights? Yes, and, and I believe a lot of people are uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, just in terms of logistics, um, it it alleviates travel. It's one less plane ride. Um, and in many cases, it's one less plane ride under volatile circumstances, you know, late night after a game or whatever. And the other thing that, that is um, pretty obvious is that it, it sets up a, a, you know, kind of a mini playoff scenario um, where we're a young team that, that needs these kinds of experiences against high-level teams. And so, you know, this is, uh, this is a really great opportunity for us to compete. And so, um, you know, it's, there are a lot of good things with it. And the in-season tournament, you know, for me, I – it's. I, I believe it's going to be um, a terrific addition to the league. You know, I, I just uh, there's just so many good things about it. So uh, we're looking forward to getting back out there. Yeah, game two of the end season tournament for the Pacers tonight again. Pacers and Sixers, seven o'clock from Philly. Rick Carlisle joining us live here on the wake up call. Um, something I've you've used the word plain and randomness. Or I guess the phrase plain and randomness several times to describe you guys offensively. And that is such a unique word to me because, you know, I'm thinking to myself, man, like what direction comes with plain and randomness? So I was hoping you could expand a little bit on that. When you want to see your team playing randomly as a coach, where is the direction in that? Because to me, random is not a word that coincides with like direction, if that makes sense. Well, we want to play in an unpredictable manner for the opponent. And I believe it's it can be a very positive thing to play unpredictably amongst each other because if you're an athlete, um, the athlete thrives on reaction. Uh, the athlete is, is is trained in whatever sport it is to uh, to be in great condition, to be strong, to um, develop instincts. But you want, you know, as an athlete, I, I, I always felt as a player that if, if I was in motion and wasn't exactly sure when the shot was going to come, I could just uh, look, react, and that it would, it would happen. It would just happen in real time. Um, as opposed to you know, running plays and knowing exactly where the shot should come, um, you know, in some cases that, that builds up a little apprehension. And really in, in, in today's NBA, um, teams defensively do such a good job of guarding situations that 
it's really become more of a league of making plays instead of calling plays. So that's probably as basic a way to explain it as, as, I, as I can. But for us, the, the elements, uh, the important elements of, of randomness, number one is speed or pace, you know. Number two is, is using the space on the floor and, you know, creating random pressure on the rim and, and being unpredictable. I mean, those are the big things. Rick Carlisle with us here. Pay less liquors hotline. Coach, I, and I'm blanking here. KB, you maybe can help me. It was after Utah or the Milwaukee game where you said, hey, Benedict Mather, and I think it was Utah. This is, you know, this was his finest moment as an Indiana Pacer. And so, you know, obviously we're having you on after the, you know, the first Philly game. So things have, have maybe changed. But you look at that Utah game uh, with Mather and you look at that Milwaukee game as well. You know, there was there was a point he helped strip Giannis of the ball in that Milwaukee game. And he pumping his fist after a great defensive play. I would imagine you had to love that as a coach. You had to love him stringing, even rebounding the ball, stringing those two games together, coach, and maybe not the best game from him on Philly. So what, what is what is the what is the coaching going on there when a young player like that has two extraordinary games and then a lesser game against Philly on Sunday? We get ready for tonight. What kind of coaching is going on with those three games from really good games to a game that's just, you know, so-so, I guess? Well, uh, you've heard of good to great. It was probably decent to bad. <laughs> you know, if we're going <laughs> okay. to be, I'm make a little bit of a joke out of it. Um, but you know, the reality is that um, the two games that you mentioned, you know, Utah was first, Milwaukee was second, and in those games, Ben played two of his best all-around games as a pacer. Um, you know, the rebounding numbers were terrific. An average of ten per game. Um, and you saw, I believe, in the Milwaukee game, his follow dunk, you know, on a, on, a, on, a, on a weak side crash that was, you know, took it from, you know, whatever it was. It was six, six to four-point deficit and got the crowd into it. And then, you know, he was in the middle of a lot of defensive stuff. So, you know, to me, the, the, the lesson here or the, or the description of the situation is that, you know, as a young player, um, you know, really, really double down on the importance of the all-around game. I mean, if you're active, if you're running, if you're crashing, if you're doing things to to come up with possession of the ball the way the way you did in those two games, um, you know, the net outcome was I believe he was plus fourteen, plus eighteen in, in those yep. two games. And um, look, the Philly game was 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 rougher. Uh, you know, we're sitting on two wins. Uh, we go in, we go in there against a you know a team that's super hot that, that really defends well. Um, they present some different types of situations, and you know, as a team, we didn't play well for the majority of the game. Now we got you know we got hot um, later in the first half. Uh, we actually got the lead you know in the fourth in the fourth quarter, uh, but it was it was very short lived because. You know the uh, the offensive rebounding of of the Sixers came back to bite us. But um, for Ben Matherin, who I know he's one of KB's favorites, um, he is almost named my son Matherin. Actually, well, I think KB's actually not happy that I asked the Matherin question. Uh-huh. I think he wanted to ask I'll the Matherin question. Off air, so coach. I should have asked about Maxi and his growth as a player. So I apologize, yeah, Coach. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 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 back to the point. You know. Um, 
you know, when you impact, when you have that kind of impact on the all-around game, and and when you're really into the game, doing other things besides just scoring, um, you know, your defense is going to be is going to pick up as well, and that's what we saw, you know, down the stretch of the Milwaukee game, as you mentioned. He's Rick Carlisle again tonight. Pacers and Sixers. It is game two of the in-season tournament. Our coverage will begin at 6.30 uh, Philadelphia for uh, the second road game against Philly this season. Coach, I forget which game I was watching the other night, but all of a sudden they come back to start the second half and they're like, oh, halftime adjustments. What do you think the coaches made? You know, halftime adjustments. I'm thinking you'd be the perfect person to ask. How real are halftime adjustments compared to in-game adjustments like I almost feel like and this is a little bit honestly the media's fault like we just alienate changes that could happen in the first quarter or the second or the third and all we talk about are halftime adjustments yeah the um you know the halftime break is creates an obvious um sort of you know you know subject uh matter for that um teams get to go in and talk about things so it's it's logical that um, adjustments would be talked about, but your point is is very accurate. There there are, are adjustments going on constantly during the game, whether they're you know matchup changes, uh, adjusting to guys coming in, going out of the game, um, adjusting to coverages. Teams you know hop into a zone. You've got to be ready to run your zone offensive actions, etc. So I don't know. You know, on some level. Um, your point is is legitimate. It, it, it's probably more played up than, than than is actually a factor, just merely because there are are, are uh, adjustments in the game going on nonstop, especially in the NBA game where there are. I think somebody once told me, uh, you know, I was on one of the committees with the league, and you know, they were talking about. Um, the challenges of officiating the NBA game. I think someone once said there are six or seven thousand events that happen in an NBA game. So you're talking about 100 possessions. Uh, do the math. I mean, each each possession there's there's a whole lot of stuff going on, and so a lot to digest and uh, a lot to certainly adjust to as the whole thing is happening. You get a chance to uh, catch up with David Letterman the other night. Saw he was uh, courtside. <laughs> Well, I did, and uh, you know, I, I just, <laughs> you know, when I was with Dallas, we the year we won the championship, we did a um, we did a top ten list. Um, our team did, and and it was set up remotely, so we were down on a practice court, and I forget what the, I forget the I forget what the question was, but it was funny, and um, and so I, you know, I'm I'm just I'm a long time admirer of his, and so I just uh, I want to go shake his hand. Let him know I was a, a very long time admirer and um, and thank him for coming to the game. You know he's from Indianapolis, went to Broad Ripple High is what my understanding is, and uh, you know really just one of the 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 absolute iconic uh, television figures of of all time. So uh, it was uh, it was pretty cool. He was very cordial. Um, somebody else asked me this question after the game. And on that particular uh, on that particular night, and if you're interested at all, you can go to YouTube because it's on YouTube. Um, 
you know, the 2011 team, uh, David Letterman, blah, blah, Jim Carrey was the guest. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so they were actually talking about some of the stuff, the stuff of, you know, me looking like Jim Carrey back, back in the day, I guess, was when I had more hair. But it was, it was a very interesting conversation because um, people, they, they were talking about it, and he said, yeah, no, people – tell me that I look like Rick Carlisle, you know, which was, <laughs> which I, I never even dreamed that that was even could ever be a part of the conversation. But, um, but anyway, that was, that was memorable and, uh, it was great that he could be there. KB, I don't know if you can, you can see this, but if you Google it, I, I mean, I am looking at, I am looking now, these pictures are, are, you know, picked out, obviously I'm looking at pictures of you next to, next to Carrie, That's outstanding. Ne- next to J- Jim Carrey here. And it's, you guys look more alike. I never thought of that in my entire life until you said that. So there is, there is at least a little bit of a resemblance. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's uh, ever since he was on living uh, in living color, right? Um, you know, I've been getting comments about that's it, great. and and so whatever. Yeah, no, that's I'm, that's I'm great. Onward from this conversation, <laughs> that's great. The only thing I was going to say to clean up the David Letterman is these TV guys, coach. Uh, when they get out of TV, they either keep the same TV persona or they grow a big beard because they never were allowed to have facial hair on TV, whether it be local or national. So uh, that's why Letterman's got that going on, no doubt. I wanted to ask you this: I, I followed Maxi a lot in uh, following UK. Uh, uh, at, a, at a former job, if you will. So I saw him a lot in college, and then he was on a very good team with Emmanuel quickly, and then I mean, he's grown from eight points a game to averaging 29 points a game, had the 50-piece on Sunday. Um, as, you, as you have been in this league as well, how have you seen him grow as a player? And, he, and boy, he can really do those two, three-step step backs now, uh, basically a lot like James Harden, who just obviously left uh, the Sixers. What have you seen with his growth in the last three, three-and-a-half seasons or so? Yeah, you know, when he was in the draft, um, whatever it was, three or three and a half years ago, um, one of the things that was interesting, and, and there, there were certainly uh, comparisons with quickly, you know, body type, um, ability to score. Um, I, you know, there, were, there was some uncertainty as to whether he could really be a, a, a true point guard. And the other thing that was interesting about him was that he he did not shoot a lot of threes in college. He was a he was more of a mid range player. So he's made he's made really big adjustments to his game. He's gone from a guy that was not not shooting many threes. I don't believe in his first year, um, and then from year one to two, two to three, et cetera. I mean, obviously he's grown the range. He's a strong kid. Um, he's got great you know he's got he's got great power in his legs. Obviously. Um, in that game two nights ago, he hit he hit three or four, you know, hellacious step back threes where he's driving the ball, you know, with with speed and power, you know, uh, well into the two point area, and then stepping back two two or three steps, um, you know, regaining his balance and just shooting the ball effortlessly from you know whatever it, whatever it was. I mean, a couple of them were thirty footers, so. Um, yeah, he's come a long way, and you know, I, I forget exactly where he was taken. I thought it was somewhere in the twenties in the draft. I mean, what a steal for twenty-one. Yeah, it's twenty-one. He was taken twenty-first. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you redraft that draft now. Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> sure, he's going to be he's going to be up at the very top. Yeah, absolute stud. Uh, okay, last one for me, Coach. 
Um, I don't know if you had a chance, but Rob Mahoney from The Ringer wrote, I, I thought, a beautiful piece on Tyrese Halliburton and you know just kind of who he is as a basketball player, as a person, and what that has meant to your franchise. I know you've touched on this before, but I wanted to relay this quote from Tyrese in that story. Tyrese says, I play a style of basketball that people want to play. I think that's part of the reason why they signed me to the deal they signed me to. I've got long-term stability here because they know that I can help bring people here, not only who I am as a basketball player, but who I am as a person. Uh, Whether it's as a basketball player or as a person, how would you describe Tyrese Halliburton? Yeah, I I saw the article last night, and I thought it was extremely well done. It's, uh, It's written tremendous detail and has a lot of uh, you really learn a lot of the things about why he's become the person and the player that he's become his dad has a lot to do with his family um, some of his close friends um, and yeah I mean uh, I would I would encourage any any Pacer fan to check it out Um, you know he's just he's just a special just a special person Um, you know the the statement I think pretty much speaks for itself, and I, I guess I can just simply say I I agree. You know, um, he's he has a he has an exuberance about the game. He has a, a personality that is magnetic, and you want to be around him, you know, all the time. And the way he plays the game, the way he zips the ball around to teammates. Um, you know, it's just something that is, you know, as as a basketball player, you just want to be on the court with that with that kind of a kind of a force, you know. And so, uh, that combined with his ability to 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 score the ball easily, um, I think you know makes him one of the the really compelling young players in the NBA right now. And so, we're very fortunate to have him. Certainly. Mark just retweeted that out of our show account for those that missed it. Again, Rob Mahoney on Tyrese Halliburton from yesterday. All right, Coach, enjoy uh, the final day in Philadelphia. I know you get a few days of practice coming up later this week before returning home to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So good luck tonight, and as, as always, can't thank you enough for the time. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Reminder, you miss any of the show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Those here, you can catch out the podcast, 1075thefan.com. We appreciate Pacer head coach Rick Carlisle joining us earlier in the show. You heard the promo there for Jake Query and company coming your way at noon. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. All right, let's head on back to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Been a few weeks since we caught up with Bob Kravitz. You can now catch his stuff. Just type in bobkravitz.com. Bob, good morning. How are you today, sir? I am tremendous. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're great. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. You know, before we dive into Colt stuff and, and Pacer stuff and college stuff, uh, I mean, you've been following sports for a long time, so I know you have to have at least a snarky opinion on 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 two things: the Jimbo Fisher firing and seventy six million dollar buyout, and then the "Woe is me, we're America's team" coming from Jim Harbaugh. You have to come on. You got to have something for us on that. I know you do. Everybody's a victim in this world. I'm telling you. I mean, the the sheer, sheer audacity of Jim Harbaugh to cheat or at least have somebody else cheat and then say that the world's against us and we're America's team, 
the audacity of that guy. Uh, as far as Jimbo Fisher goes, hey, look, you know, we saw IU spend a lot of money on Tom Allen. I'm not, I'm not feeling too sorry for Texas A&M. They got, they got plenty of cash. But I, when has Texas A&M ever been great? Couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, we talked about when, this. When have yeah. they ever been great? I mean, they have their Johnny Manziel days, but otherwise, I don't remember them really being a, a, a national player. Uh, an Alabama or Georgia or somebody like that. So I don't know what they expect, but yeah, I I, I don't have strong feelings about Jimbo, but don't get me going on Harbaugh. <laughs> Bob Kravitz, the new URL again. It's just bobkravitz.com, right, Bob? Yes, yes, I I got that taken care of, and it's much, much simpler this way. I was going to say go. 2023 getting that smooth URL. I like that. Not a given. So great work. You didn't have to pay someone in China front. who owned BobKravitz.com <laughs> or anything like that. Good for you. Or maybe well, someone in New England. Yes, probably sent him twenty thousand yeah. dollars or something. Yeah. So the, I will say the uh, Indianapolis Star was nice enough. They they don't hold it against me. They were nice enough to. Uh, send the domain on over so i appreciate that. that good work there yeah. from the star again bob is with us here on the payless liquors hotline bob colts are five and five as we sit here heading into their bye week on november 14th i would assume um you did not expect that uh when we get to january 14th what will we be talking about with the colts uh well i think we're going to be talking about uh you know maybe seven wins maybe maybe eight uh did I see it coming? Hell no. I picked them to win three games. I thought they were going to be grievously bad, uh, but they've, they've really uh, surprised me. The fact they've done it without their quarterback, without you know losing, losing Isaiah Rodgers, losing, not having uh, Jonathan Taylor early on, losing Grover Stewart. I mean, they've done an amazing job. Now, granted, the schedule's been horrible, the teams they've beaten are a combined, I think, 18 and 29. But, you know, you can only play who's in front of you. And that's why, you know, when they lost a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, this idea of the Colts being a big seller at the deadline, it didn't make sense to me because you had games coming up against Carolina and then New England and Germany, and two winnable games, you know, no matter who you are. And... I mean, I can't believe that we're still talking about meaningful football in uh, in mid-November, uh, and that it's surprising and it's great. What element, I guess, Bob, do you think has surprised you the most? I mean, you you mentioned you weren't very high on the win total. Honestly, there's probably some people out there that thought Minshew at the start of the year would lead you to more wins than Richardson if you were right, going to right. choose one or the other as a starter. So, I guess, what area or areas do you point to as the biggest surprises so far? Well, I. You know, it's funny. You go through all the areas. I mean, the offensive line we thought would be better, and they have been. The defense has been up and down. They had those three games in a row where they averaged giving up 38 a game, but otherwise they've been very good. Their pass rushes surprised me a little bit, although that's kind of a hit-and-miss proposition. Nothing has really surprised me a lot. It's just they've beaten some really garbage teams. Um, which is not a surprise, but uh, I have a hard time thinking of what what you know. I mean, I, I hope that that Shaq Leonard would be further along at this point, and I I don't think that he'll be back. But yeah, surprises. I'm I'm hard pressed. 
to come up uh, with anything that makes sense. Bob Kravitz with us here. It's a wake-up call on the fan on this Tuesday. Bob's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I was going to ask you about Gardner Minshew. We can get to him here in just a second, but you mentioned Shaq Leonard. You know, he had two weeks in a row where uh, he was very vocal with the media. We love that here. I'm sure uh, you did as well. It's always great when players are candid and they give you a really good quote, and he wanted to know why he wasn't playing, and then he went out there and whiffed on Zeke Elliott a couple different times in that Patriots game. He had had tackles, but let's be honest, uh, a shell of himself. What do you make, and again, I'm with you, I don't think he will be back next year. What do you make of Leonard uh, talking the last two weeks, having a rough game, and kind of the next month, month and a half, uh, you know, the Colts is kind of going to stay quiet, I guess, while Shaq Leonard complains about his playing time? You know, I don't have a problem with guys complaining after they lose, because you feel like, you know, there's more I could have done to have changed the outcome. But when you win, shut up. You know, when you when you win a football game, don't don't spend your Thursdays with Shaq. Um, you know, come complaining about your lack of playing time. Look, it's it's not a grand conspiracy. I can promise you that that Gus Bradley wishes the old Shaq was still around. He was a great player on a Hall of Fame trajectory, but he, as you said. He's a shell of him for himself. Now I'm not, I'm not counting him out uh, as far as his ability to come back at some point. I mean, we saw we see great athletes come back from these devastating injuries, not the least of which was Peyton Manning, who after his surgery couldn't throw the ball ten feet. You know, so I think there's still hope for him. But man, he better get it together quick. Again, Bob Kravitz is with us. The new URL, bobkravitz.com, where you can find his work. Bob, it's two games, but is there any sort of panic meter for you with Mike Woodson's bunch this season? Yeah, I mean, they – look, I mean, we we knew that they were going to struggle a little bit. And, I mean, the the way I – you know, he had a quote after the game saying that he thought they played reasonably well – against Army, and I'm like, Mike, what in the hell game are you watching? Uh, they were terrible. The one thing that concerns me is McBa- I'm going to mispronounce his name, Mbako, uh, Mackenzie Mbako. I mean, this guy's a five-star, and he has shown absolutely nothing in these first couple of games. Even even the preseason games uh, didn't do much. So I, I think they're a team looking look, looking for an identity, uh, I think this is going to be the toughest coaching job yet for Mike Woodson. Uh, I'm not in full panic mode yet, uh, but, boy, these first couple of games have not been impressive. Would you have any advice on Purdue basketball fans on how to handle <laughs> the next five months until we get to mid-March? Yeah, drink heavily. Yeah, Start drink, now. Good. Drink, drink heavily and, uh, yeah, uh, it's a weird deal for them. I mean, like they're right no number two what, in the land. They might win the Maui next week, like a loaded field. I mean, do do Purdue fans celebrate that, or in the back of their minds, do they think, "Dear Lord, I can't uh, that, that I I need triple zeros against that 16 seed to show up asap." <laughs> I know it, it's a hard way to to survive to it know really that nothing you do during the regular season means anything. You can win the Big Ten by two three games again. You can win the Big Ten tournament. If you don't get it done in March, 
nothing matters. And I, I remember after the, the uh, Boilers lost to uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, I called uh, Tony Bennett at Virginia. He didn't want to do an interview, but I, I knew that he had reached out to, to Matt Painter. And that's what you got to hope for is that this is one of those, one of those Virginia type of deals where, um, you know, where, where they come back after the loss of the 16 seed and win a national title. They are, I'll tell you what, this Lance Jones changes a lot. Yeah, I like him, Bob. I, how you think. I, I like his game. I, mean, I haven't seen much of Hyde and, you know, uh, the other, some of the other guys, but watching last night, I was really impressed by Lance Jones. Uh, I just want to go back to Indiana. I said this earlier, and Bob Kravitz with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Bob, I just, I, I like their front court. I, I, I'm not saying they don't have a few players, but right now they are a five-man team, maybe a six-man team. They've had to go small with Gabe Cups, and that's just not going to work in the Big Ten and against, you know, UConn and legitimate competition. Their guard play's not good enough. I'm worried Indiana's not a tournament team. I don't mind saying it this early in the season. Their guards are not special. I think they're going to be on the edge. Now, I, th- I think that Xavier Johnson has a chance. I mean, I he basically, him and Trace got them into the NCAAs uh, two years ago with the way he played down the stretch. I still think Xavier Johnson, uh, if his head is right, is a really good college basketball player, but he hasn't shown it quite yet. Uh, yeah, but their, their guard play, their three-point shooting, this Liam McNeely can't show up fast enough. Bob, uh, last one from me. And again, Bob Kravitz. Uh, you can find his work, bobkravitz.com. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Um, I guess uh, you can go A, B, or C here. A, Shaq Leonard's back next year. B, Tom Allen's back. C, <laughs> they both are back. And I guess D, now that I think about it, neither are back. D. Yeah, I, hmm. I you think really IU's going to find the money for Allen? I think they're going to find the money. What What is the point? He'd basically be a lame duck. You know, it, it's like it's like even though it's not the last year of his contract, in all, it, it, it's going to be his last year unless he completely turns it around, which I don't see. But what's the point in keeping a coach who you know you're going to get rid of as soon as that, as soon as the uh, payout, the buyout uh, goes, you know, diminishes. So uh, that's a hard way to recruit. Uh, I, I, you know, if I'm a player, I'm like, this guy's not going to be here for very much longer. So I, I would find the money and get it done. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. He'd be a total lame duck next year. Uh, even if he made a bowl, a six-game bowl, does that show an improvement? And he wouldn't make a bowl on top of that. Last one for me, BobKravitz.com. Uh, what interests you about the Pacers here the first couple weeks of the season? Some nice wins. Uh, obviously, a couple losses. We saw uh, what happened in Philly on Sunday. Philly again tonight. Uh, but 6-4, and four, if they trend this way, they'll be no doubt a playoff team. What have you seen with them over the first couple weeks of the season? I'll say this. I love this team. I love the way they move the ball. Uh, I love their energy. But they are freaking dreadful on defense. I mean, they are dreadful. Um, And I don't know how much better they're going to get. This just may be kind of who they are. I am really curious to watch the game, I think it's tonight, uh, against Philly again and see what – I mean, look. There's no way they're going to stop Embiid. Embiid tortures uh, Miles Turner. But what are they going to do with Tyrese Maxey? 
I mean, there's got to be a better way. I, I thought they did some good things against Giannis late in the game, taking the ball out of his hands. Maybe that's something they got to consider with Tyrese Maxey. The problem there is you still got to deal with Embiid and a lot of other good players. But I, I think tonight's going to tell us a lot about, you know, which way this team is trending. Uh, defensively, they've just got to be better. I know they brought in Jim Boylan, who's a, who's a friend of mine, uh, and I hope they do better. But, boy, they're, they're hard to watch on the defensive end of the floor right now. The URL is pretty simple. It is just bobkravitz.com. You can find all the latest from his musings on that website. Bob, as always, man, thanks for the time, and uh, enjoy the Colts bye week. I appreciate you guys. Thank you.